Okay, so contrary to what it says up there, today's reading is Luke 10, uh, verses 1 through 11 and 16 to 20. It can be found on page 957 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as up on the screen, I think. This is God's word. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If the head of the house loves peace, your peace will rest on that house. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for workers deserve their wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The word of the Lord. How are you doing? Lively group here. I am not the normal speaker, as you know. Uh, My name is Keith Klassen, and you probably know my wife. She's around here, Shar, and my boys. Luke, who's sleeping over here, and Drew. Time to pay attention, boys. All right. I was actually just telling my dad, who's here, and my mom, that the last time I spoke was in India when we traveled there about a year and a half ago. And I didn't really know what was going to happen day to day on our trip. I was kind of a fly on the wall, didn't know the itinerary. But one morning, we were going into town with our host, and he says, Keith, you'll preach today. And I'm like, what? preach. I I thought I might do a greetings from America, that kind of thing. And I said, well, when is this going to happen? He says, well, when we get there. And uh, well, when is that? And you know, that pit starts forming in your stomach when you know you're not prepared and you did not sign up for this. So I prayed the uh, formal prayer. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. You know, and and it went great. Um, Not to brag, but at one point they started applauding and saying hallelujah. And I thank the translator later. But so I, you know, I expect nothing less from you all this morning. So let's pray as we get going. 
God of grace, you know us inside out. You know where we stand, where we're at. You know how we're feeling. And uh, I pray that the deepest desires of our heart would come to, um, to the forefront this morning and that you would um, give us ears to hear, and hearts to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, I was reviewing my pictures from India as well, and all the good feelings started coming back, and the faces and memories started um, coming, and, and even the things that I committed to do. And so I kind of crafted this message this morning, specifically with a bunch of pictures and metaphors and kind of snapshots for you, because I know that you'll take those things home and actually do something with it. I also know that the kids are in the service today, and I know it's hard to pay attention. Some of you know that I help with the big kids, and actually, Drew said to me one day, are you teaching today? And I said, no, no, I'm not. And he goes, man, we love it when you teach. And I'm thinking, what? And I asked, why, why is that? And I thought, eh, tell good stories, you know, I, we have fun together, and uh, they learn a lot. And he says, well, you give us treats. So, <laughs> so I, came, I came loaded today, all right? I'm just going to say, and there's a challenge for the, for the big kids, and maybe a few of the little kids. If you can tell me a couple of the snapshots or metaphors that I talk about, you know what a metaphor is, right? A word picture. In that bag there, I have a treat for you. If you can tell me maybe two to three of them, and I'm just going to tell you, it has something to do with fireworks, all right? Uh, parents, you, there's a waiver you're going to need to sign ahead of time. But anyway, so, so guys, pay attention. There's, there's a reward here. I've been tracking with this um, Mars One mission. Anyone else been following that? Is anyone else fascinated by the idea that we may have humans living on Mars within our lifetime? Their purpose, it says, it's a Netherlands-based organization, to land the first humans on Mars and establish a permanent human colony there by 2027, within most of our lifetimes. That, that's, to me, mind-blowing. And when they put out the, the message, we want people to go to Mars, they said that over 200,000 people said, yeah, I want to go, send me to Mars. Um, they started saying, well, there's some, there's some qualifications here. You can't just, you know, be out of work. And, but the people who actually were serious were, um, they're PhDs, they're, they're intelligent people. People have um, hardcore skills. So they whittled this down to 2,700 people that finally applied. And you can go on their website and see the, the videos and the interviews, and they whittled this down to 1,058 over time that actually they chose. And I think to this point, they're at 100 people. And I, I believe they might be going to, for 40 people that for the next 8 to 10 years are going to train to go to Mars. And out of those 40, only 20 will actually go. So this is an intense calling, right? And um, the critics say that um, this is pretty dangerous, right? Getting off the ground. You've seen spaceships explode. Getting out of the atmosphere. Yeah, there's Mars. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, hmm, should I sign up? Uh, <laughs> They say if you even make the voyage, landing's pretty intense. They have robots they're practicing with, I think, ahead of time, or, or unmanned spacecraft. And then once you get there, and again, these are people that are not really for it, they say, we'll give them about 8 to 12 months for survival. And if you've read up on this, you know it's a one-way trip. There's no technology, there's no resources to get back. And so the question I'm left with is, why such interest? Why are people like... 
sign me up, I want to go. It's kind of a death mission, wouldn't you say? Here's my conclusion. People have always wanted their lives to matter. People want to live lives of purpose and meaning. They want their lives to count. They want to leave a legacy and have some history part of their lives. They don't want to settle for the mundane. They want something transcendent. This is a need that we have to do something that's beyond ourselves. And I'm actually going to try to tie the scripture in today, whether you know it or not, that, that Jesus is calling us to that kind of life, a life of transcendence, of belonging, a life that matters intensely. So in the Luke 10 reading, if you paid attention, you know this is, you might not uh, tie these two together, but Jesus is actually saying, I'm sending you out on a mission, an intense mission. And by the way, I know you don't know it all, and uh, you, are, you are going out like sheep among wolves, if you got that point. But he, he goes into details of what to bring, what to carry, who to stay with. But before that, he says this. Let me just repeat it. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers or the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus is basically saying, where are the workers? There's this beautiful mission, this harvest that's plentiful, and we need more workers. Thank you, 72 and the 12, right, that I've chosen, but we need more workers. So I want to try to break this down a little bit further. When we think about the harvest, traditionally we think about people, right? The disciples were called to be fishers of men or people. They actually quit their jobs. It was a big deal. They left their nets and they followed Jesus. That was their job. And nowadays, I think we've missed that transcendent calling, and we've kind of broken it down to a, a project, something that we do to people, something that we're trying to, to, to convince people or, or, you know, kind of badger people, like kind of a used, you know, not a used car salesman, like a, a, a door-to-door salesman, right? Those people that you kind of, don't answer the door, like we're not here, or sorry, I'm busy, you know, you're talking on the phone, at least that's what I do. The harvest has become a project, and I think part of the issue is that religion in general has been good about giving us a list of rules. Here's a belief set. Here's a system to go by. But where it's fallen short is in the area of transformation. In other words, when we start seeing our lives change and others for the good, that starts getting exciting. That starts becoming meaningful to us. And this is part of the call that we're, we're being or the invitation that we're asked to be a part of. So, when it's like a chore, what are your chores? <laughs> Wake up. Emptying the dishwasher, taking out the trash, scooping dog poop. No one likes this. So when Jesus is saying, come and work for me, we're like, ah, I don't know about that. Nobody likes chores, Right? when it becomes something that we're invited to participate in that's transcendent, something transformative, this is when it gets exciting. A friend of mine a couple years ago um, was doing some research, and he found out that in the Rancho Cordova school system, there were 680 homeless kids. And he was telling me that um, some of these kids are sleeping in the back seats of cars, on couches, um, some are on the streets. And I was just moved by this. I'm like, what are, we, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? How do we raise money for this? What, 
what do they need? And so actually he um, asked the school system, what, what are their main needs? They need socks and underwear. I mean, how hard is it for a kid that's in junior high to not have a clean pair of underwear? And I'm thinking, we need to do something about I was not the person that spearheaded, but it's kind of like, we can give money to this. Buy socks. We actually made a video because they also needed hoodies, right? And we did this thing, and it was life-giving. It's like, I'll run through a wall for these kids. It's something that, um, this is a picture of the harvest. We're being asked to something transcendent, something that's meaningful to everybody around you. It's not a chore at all. Some of you theology nerds will get a kick out of this word picture. Um, The early church fathers would call... That's not it, by the way. (laughs) Hold on to that one. That's a good one. The early church fathers. (laughs) This is a little more intense than the bird one. They uh, they saw this relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as something um, of a giving and a, a, a circling of generosity and unconditional love that that was um, creative and and life giving. They called it the parakoresis, and it literally means a divine dance or a sacred dance. And this is something, by the way, that's been going on before you were born, before the earth was even made. Whether you believe it or not, it's happening. A sacred dance between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And it's something that's larger and transcendent, something that you're being invited into, not taking out the trash for Jesus, or trying to convince someone of something that they're not even ready to hear. This is the harvest. So what's the issue? What are we missing here? I think a lot of it is, um, how many here are farmers besides Mark? Yeah, he raises cantaloupes, so I hear. You know, Char grows uh, tomatoes on our porch, but that's about it. We kill the other plants, but... um, Scripture said in an agricultural time, it's an agrarian society. So when, we, when the Jesus is talking about the harvest, we're kind of like, yeah, I know it has something to do with picking fruit and maybe that has to do with people or something. But the harvest is um, this rhythm of uh, hard work, uh, seed planting, I think, uh, some more hard work, waiting, some cultivating, but, and then there's this reaping, there's this harvest, there's this um, celebrative thing that this and anticipated and waited for. And then there's this reward and this enjoyment and this almost uh, relaxation. And I think it happened within a family and a, a communal setting as well. And so this, this picture is more like my son getting his first smartphone. He, he um, had been waiting for it for several years. And, and even between, he was saying, how can I get this? What can I do to earn this? Can I work a little? He started walking dogs. He started saving money. He was waiting and longing for this. And he turned 13 last week, and he actually got a smartphone. You know, pray for us. You know, <laughs> Pandora's box may have just opened. But literally, I thought Drew was joking. He, he says, Dad, he comes up and hugs me. This is the greatest day of my life. This, I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And he's running around the house like, look what I got. Look what I got. He was so happy. This is like the harvest. It's not just a little paycheck. It's, it's something that you've been longing for and waiting for and that and you got. 
we want things to happen now. You know, my text didn't go in two seconds. The, the uh, website didn't load fast enough. The harvest and the, the agriculture in it all is, is, again, it's a long process. We're impatient with ourselves. We're impatient with the process. I, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of friends now that are like, you know what? I used to believe that stuff. And um, I grew up in the church. I used to buy that. It doesn't work anymore, you know? It's sad. It's, um, I go to the well, one person just said to me. I go to the well, he called it, like the place of nourishment, and it just seems dry. And it's sad. And I'm trying to say that there's something about this that we're missing that's, that's bigger. That's, that's in, it's the divine dance. We're being invited into something that's much larger. It's not this, again, the church, the religion has given us kind of a list to go by. But there's something bigger that you are being invited into today. So, it takes time to mature. It, the process takes time. We, we take time. One picture that's helped me over the years is that actually of an apprentice. Again, a time-consuming thing. I wouldn't call myself a, a carpenter, but I started carrying a lot of stuff and sweeping floors and vacuuming. And, um, and one summer, I actually got to do something that I thought was important. Uh, the, the foreman on the job said, I want you to install this medicine cabinet. And so I pull out these huge screws that I had to put in, and I said, all right, I got this. I think I was a freshman in high school. And I said, where's the uh, screw gun? And he's like, uh, <clears throat> this was Pete Farragher. Your dad said, uh, you're too young to use power tools. I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> and so he goes, but I do have this for you. And it was this tube of beeswax. He said, stick the screws in that, and your wrist won't hurt as much as you, you screw it. <laughs> you know, I think the next summer they said, here's a skill saw. Don't, you know, I still have all my fingers. But I know I cut the cord one time, and I broke that window one time. And, you know, the thing about apprenticeship is you start as a beginner. You start knowing nothing. You're sweeping floors. You're watching the foreman. You're doing a little bit. They're teaching you a little bit. And soon you start graduating to... Uh, the beeswax, <laughs> and then you get the power tools, and then ideally, you can do it on your own. You've, you've gotten the responsibility. It's like everything in life. That's the way it works. It's step by step. And so this idea of uh, apprenticeship is actually the same word as disciple. They were students of the master, of the rabbi, and, and they were fiddling around all the time if you read scripture. I love the story of when Jesus goes to the mountain. And he comes back down, the disciples were like trying to cast out demons. They're like, ah, why can't we do this? You know, this is, Jesus did it, we can't. And he, you know, patiently says, well, let me show you how to do this. But they were learning. And we need to have that same patience with ourselves in this invitation to something larger. It doesn't happen overnight, even in our instant society. I like the word picture of a laboratory. We need to move from the lecture to the lab. We love learning new things. We love the information. But um, I like being in the lab as well. Eighth grade, I had this uh, Adidas sweatsuit that I got for Christmas. This is going to date myself. <laughs> 80s sweatsuit. I was cool. It was all silky and shiny. Roger Quo was uh, my lab partner, and I got so lucky. Straight-A student, smartest kid in, in the class. And so we'd be doing the lab... And I'd be kicking back with my Adidas sweatsuit on. And he's doing all the work. And I'm 
chatting it up with the, you know, the girls next to me, and, and all of a sudden, boom, he hits me with his textbook in my back. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He said, your jacket's on fire. I'm like, what? I had leaned up against the Bunsen burner, and my jacket caught on fire, and, and there was this big hole in the back. So sometimes we need to light things on fire and, and take some risks and, and be patient in those things. See what I'm saying? We need to move from the lecture to the lab. We need to move from the dock or the harbor to the open seas. This is where the faith is tested. And this is the invitation. You need to step out from your comfort zone. And you need to start evaluating who are you? How are you made? How is it put together? We need an exploratorium-like experience. I don't know about you. I didn't do very good in science. Obviously, I set my jacket on fire. And... <laughs> but when I go to places like the exploratorium, I'm you know, in there, I, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm a physicist, you know. I'm, <laughs> this, I know everything about the, the human brain when I go there. It's, it's awesome. The passage says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. This picture of being sent is, is I think, an interesting point. It's, it's a forceful word. It's, it's this word about, like, being thrust out. Again, I'm going to date myself, but when I was young, we used to go roller skating. Does anyone know what that is? It's, it, thank you. Yeah, thank you. You know, we used to go to the rink, and uh, we were cool, <laughs> and hold hands, right? And the person on the end would get speed, and they would fling them. What was that called? Cracking the whip. That's right. You, I'm going to crack the whip. And they're going 100 miles an hour, and if they could go without sliding or slamming into the wall... They were pretty cool. This is my translation of Jesus saying, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out, fling out workers into the field. They need to get out there. (laughs) Here's the other illustration. Dan, you ready now? This is it. So what I've read about baby birds learning how to fly is that the mom, you know, they're feeding them, chewing it up, putting it in their mouth, and they slowly move away from from the, the bird to coax them out of the nest to fly. Because this is the stage of development, of maturity. Sometimes the birds don't want to get out of the nest. And this isn't a Photoshop that I know, but they literally kick the baby birds out of the nest. Because the idea is that if they don't learn how to fly, they become like disabled and, and immature. And they know that it's better for them to even hit the ground or flap once and you know, do this multiple times to get out of the nest, to mature, rather than staying in the nest. What I see, by and large, is that people love the nest. They love the safe place. They love the comfort zone, whether it's your religious dogma or doctrine or the knowledge you have. This is what religions become, and it takes flight to start the maturing process. And some of you in here might be the people who kick others out <laughs> in a loving, mature way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Others of you need to be standing at the edge and maybe jump out or, or be kicked out or flung out, be sent. So where are the workers? Pray or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. Mark Twain, I love this quote. He said, what matters most 
is the day you were born and the day you find out why. What I know is that we're being called to go further, to, to move, to jump out of the nest, to, to mature as people. And uh, I can't tell you what that looks like for you specifically. Um, we're all designed differently. We all have different gifts and talents. And so I want to just give you kind of a, a couple kind of directional things as we, as we end as to where to go from here. So a good question I like to ask when I read scripture is, where do I find myself in the story? And pretty much all these stories Jesus tells, there's always people just listening. They're, they're the people at the dance that are sitting on the wall, right? <laughs> they're the people at the roller skating rink that are, you know, eating, drinking their slushy or whatever. But they're not on the floor. They're not out of the nest. There's, there's the onlookers. And this is an okay place to be. Mark just said that city life is, I wouldn't say unique, but I think pretty good at this, where you are okay to sit, to listen, to contemplate, to, um, to be. This is a safe place for that. And it's okay to be. There. I would just say, um, take a stance or a posture of openness. Um, in these times of quiet, in these prayer times, whether you say the words or not, be open during those times. We're going to have a minute for communion where this is a great opportunity just to open yourselves up and say, where am I, God? Where am I in this picture? What are my next steps? The next step area is just to be an asker. This is a posture of curiosity, a place where you might say uh, to someone else, what does this mean for my life? Will you help me figure this out? Or specifically, as the one imperative in this passage says, um, ask the Lord of the harvest. You might be an asker, someone who, who prays that others would go out. Or consider yourself one that goes out. God, what would this look like for me? We're past the, the chores. We're past the door-to-door salesman. We're now talking about being caught up into something much larger, the divine dance, this transcendent experience. And the worker, though, is one that actually starts saying, I think I'm ready to invest my time. Um, it's going to take some sacrifice. It might take some generosity and money and some, some planning to do this. And you might be at this, this stage where you're ready to take that step as well. One overlooked thing that we didn't even talk about later in the story, Jesus says, go from town to you know, village to village and look for the people of peace. There are people in here that are tremendous hosts, people that can welcome others, people that can feed others and say, uh, let me encourage you while you stay here. That might be you. So that, that light bulb might go on. Do that. You see, this message isn't one of, of whipping and, uh, why aren't you doing this? It's more, some of you just need to keep doing what you're doing. It was like when I spoke to those pastors in India, which they were like my heroes, my message was, keep doing what you're doing <laughs> because I have nothing to give you. And um, the point is that God, though, has something to give you. You are being called out to move forward into a, into a more depth of relationship and experience to give of yourself. But find yourself in the story. Ask God what the next steps are, even in this time of communion. One organization gives us these six-word applications. Um, I don't even remember the name of the organization, but they say it like this. Learn. This might be one thing. Second thing is to pray or to ask. Another thing is to go. 
Others of you may be senders to send. I just talked about being welcomers or hospitality type people. And then the last thing is mobilize. Some of you are good at organizing and getting things together and launching things out. So when Mars One put out their challenge um, for people to come, NASA jumped in and said, wait a sec, this is our thing, right? We send people in this space. So they started their own campaign. And I put a couple pictures of the NASA uh, posters you can download for free. I think they'll send them to you. And I thought they were pretty cool. No, go back. Mars Explorers Wanted, Teach on Mars, Farmers Wanted. I want to read you. They all have their captions. The teacher one says this, Learning is out of this world. Learning can take you places you've never dreamed of, including Mars and its two moons. No matter where we live, we can always learn something new, especially with teacher heroes who guide us on our path, daring us to dream and grow. I want to encourage you guys to dream and to grow past the place where you are now, to accept the invitation to this divine dance. Let's pray. God, in these next moments, even this week following, I pray that you would give us our own word pictures of what it would look like for us to get caught up into this dance, into this Um, transcendent experience that you offer. Help us identify the places where we need to move, the next steps we need to take. Um, Put people in our lives. Send people in our lives. Send out workers. I pray that we would consider ourselves a worker. Give us inspiration and motivation. Thank you for this community that um, demonstrates this and has many people on this path. Use us in this way, Jesus. Amen.